Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Laura. We're longtime friends who know a good year at Real Talk can solve almost anything. And we're transferring our skills and experiences to our new coaching practice. Whether you're making a big decision, exploring a new path, planning a project, or you just want to learn how coaching might help you, join us for our conversations on Coaching Through It. On this episode of Coaching Through It, we're excited to welcome Amy Caron. Amy Caron is an innovative and a creative higher education professional who is passionate about effective facilitation, curriculum design, intergroup dialogue, pedagogy, and coaching. She's currently an associate director lecturer for the Archer Center for Student Leadership at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and an international coaching federation trained coach specializing in values-based coaching for academics and higher education professionals. She believes in the transformative power of coaching and utilizes a coaching mindset in all areas of her work to help those around her find greater alignment and joy in their work and lives. Amy, we are so excited to talk to you as a coachee in a training program on our pod, on the Coaching Through It pod. We're talking about how we're learning, how we're growing, and we're excited for you to join us to share a little bit about your journey as a coach. So thanks for talking to us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Amy, what's new in your coaching world? I have been doing a lot of coaching this summer, which has been a lot of fun. I finished my training program 125 hours last March, and that was over a year. And it was a wonderful journey. It was still like unbelievable when it ended. And then it was kind of this like, uh, now what, you know, cause there's this whole (laughs) creating a side business or also working it into my job in higher ed as well. Um, and also just feeling the fatigue and a little bit of the burnout of the end of um, 2020, 2021 into that spring. And so the summer felt really rejuvenated and thought, okay, like, how can I make this happen? I want to be doing more coaching. I want to be practicing the skill set. I want to be meeting other people. And threw out a few offers of like, pay what you can coaching or pro bono coaching for testimonials or those kinds of just business building steps. And then I've gotten to meet really wonderful people um, who do really fascinating things and had all these different, really unique stuff that they were going through that coaching can really help with. So major career transitions, building confidence, trying to just figure out how to navigate the world we're living in right now. um, And being able to hold space for them has been a whole lot of fun this summer. So I've greatly enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to continuing as we get into the fall and work next year. That's awesome. I will say it's been a delight to be in a coach class with you. Amy was in the first cohort of coaching higher ed coaches. We got to do a course together, but you were like the first like beta try it out for Katie Linder's program. How was that? Yeah, it was, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. I had no idea what I was getting into. I have always had like the ultimate goal or dream to work for myself. And at the same time, um, working in higher ed, the role I was getting into and more of the things I was taking on was being a trainer, facilitator, coach for faculty and staff. And I'm like, I don't necessarily always know what I'm doing. Like I kind of wanted more meat on my bones for what I was kind of doing in my job. And I thought coaching would be a great fit. And so you know, met with Katie once or twice and was like, no, I'm in. Like I'm absolutely in. This is definitely something that I want to do. And I think all of us really, you know, both I think in the first and even second cohort really commended how it was something that carried us through a difficult time as a common thread. And the relationships that I made, you know, with both of you, as well as other people in the training program are certainly everlasting. I mean, not just the amount of time, but just the things that we got into together, um, the ways that we shared with each other when we were coaching and being coached. 
was a really unique experience. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever, I, mean, I think things that would rival that would be different, you know, social justice training or education or those types of things where people are really sharing vulnerably of themselves and coaching just has that same space. Like we very much created the same connections in the same space. So I, you know, I've told everyone, I'm like, do it. If they're like, oh, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, just go do it. Just go do it now. Like, here's the email, go do it. Okay. Just ensure that people don't think we're cults and we have- We're not. Like no. Nexium. Let's talk real <laughs> that, talk. By about- the way, was started by an RPI alone. So <laughs> there you go. I'm going to say it like, let's just make sure that we yeah. say the other side. That's all not all yeah. great no. because I don't want people to like, did they drink the Kool-Aid? Do they have the tattoos? <laughs> so what was like apprehensive about you getting into this program? Do you think when you first started? I mean, definitely it's both a time and a financial investment. And it's something that you have to think about both as personal and professional development. And for me, you know, also thinking about a side business that could put, hopefully be then a full-time business further in the future. It is an investment that I was definitely willing to take on. I also think a lot more of it was more anxiety provoking than I thought it would be because I'm a I'm a planner. And the thing about coaching is when you're in the coach, you can't go to the plan because you don't know what the client's bringing with you that day. And so especially transitioning from being an instructor, facilitator, certainly there's a lot of pivoting and adapting that happens there. But you you have your plan. You know what your learning outcomes are. You're bringing the audience or the learners or participants along with you in, in an experience that you intended. And in coaching, you're the one holding the space and helping your client work through whatever they're bringing to you. It's not about what you're bringing to them. And so I think that was, you know, you know, the first class I was like, oh, oh, this is what this is. There's also a lot out there about what coaching is. And I do think there is a very wide umbrella of what coaching is, but in terms of, um, you know, how we were trained, it's definitely different than some of the other things that I saw. And I, you know, I really enjoy the method and think it's really powerful and helpful, but I think had to let go of a lot of things on the outset and definitely experience a little bit of that fear and apprehension. Amy, what is your coaching? What is, yeah, I I think you you made a comment about so many different styles and just a Mm -hmm. wide range of coaching. And Mm -hmm. I don't even mean client. I wonder more about like, what is your coaching? Like, what is your coaching spirit? I don't know. Definitely a lot of positivity and joy. Like not that I force that upon people, but I try to show up like excited to be there with them. And also though, definitely practice a lot of silence, which some clients really appreciate and need. It makes other ones like kind of wiggly, but it's not, you know, I don't need to fill that space. It's for them. And, you know, certainly somebody who can empathize and relate in, like, especially this summer, finding all the different ways that I can connect to clients who do vastly different things than me. And yet we have similar common experiences and those types of things. So recognizing, you know, the humanity in, other people and making space for where they are at and then you know adding in some you know humor and positivity and things along the way as well. Julie, what's your coaching spirit now that you asked that question? Yeah, I it's a great question to reflect on. I think sometimes we just pose the questions we don't have to have the answers. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what you do in coaching. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, when you said that a lot I'm like jaded and real. And snarky, <laughs> and snarky. I don't know. For it's me, okay. I know. I know. No, that was for me. Oh, oh, that's for you I too. Was like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about you're like 70 
plus hours now. You're on your way wow. to certification. Um, so close. What were your barriers to getting started with your coaching program? Definitely. And they're still like current, you know, bar- well, they're internal and then also external barriers. So some of the internal ones were the things I was just talking about, like needing to let go of the plan, just being able to jump in, especially this is where the training course was so helpful is that you got to try every- everything out in like a very open, trusting space where it's okay to make mistakes and mess up. And so I appreciated that because I probably had much more like perfectionism and other things needed to let go of, uh, knowing that I was probably going to mess up certainly along the way. And then I think more like externally slash more and just like that business side or finding clients is really kind of niching down and still working into that about who I want to be working with, who are ideal clients, what are different topics, maybe not topics, but like themes that I coach around like right now. I would say, and it is true that I lean more towards, you know, values and alignment coaching, like helping people figure out what is most important to them and how they can ensure that that is really central in their lives so that, you know, it's aligned with work, but also aligned with just everything else that they do in their lives. Uh, And then with that, though, comes things around transitions and confidence and just other difficult stuff that seem to be repeats depending on what somebody's going through. But I think just distilling that down and then sharing that with other people so that I can make connections with potential clients or just folks that want to learn more about coaching or are curious about it. I think, you know, another barrier is mentioning the wide umbrella of coaching is that some people are like, oh, like you're a woo-woo life coach, you know? And I'm like, I just want to ask like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, what does that mean to you? (laughs) A good, powerful question there. Um, But you know, I think there's some association that people have with coaching that then when I kind of share what I do, they're like, oh, okay, like that's interesting or kind of how I go about doing it or what coaching with me looks like and unveils something else. So I think getting that out more and being able to share that with people in ways that feel, you know, genuine to me doesn't necessarily feel like I'm hustling or selling myself or that kind of stuff. Those have just been some of the barriers. As you were talking, Amy, I think about, you talk about transformational. I have an image of your Instagram, transformation from robe to clothing, dances <laughs> to, you have some real talk and you are a I reflective do. coach um, yeah. in your practice as a coach and other things that you do. So how do you do that when it's not recorded? Or what are you thinking about mm-hmm. your practice now? What's your mm-hmm. need for that reflection now? I'm definitely an external processor. So I've like, you know, I've tried to journal. It's just, it's hard. It's not necessarily for me. I think if I had some prompts, it might go better. I definitely, I talked to my partner a lot and he, and we get into interesting conversations because he also works in student affairs, but he went to a counseling program. So he's trained in counseling. And so we'll talk about the different nuances and things that are similar and things that are different. And, you know, I've been doing this long enough now that when he's dealing with something difficult and I start in with the powerful questions, he's like, I know what you're doing. Like, you know, it's, it's a what or a how question. So we don't need to do those. So I think talking that out, I also think, you know, in my family and friends and like, you know, whatever I am sharing on social media, or if people are asking about what I'm up to or how I'm doing, I'm usually talking about coaching and, you know, just updates on that. And their curiosity is kind of helpful for me to think more about, you know, my own practice and how I am currently thinking or defining coaching and how I'm sharing that with other people. I have noticed as well, you know, working with some other people in the training program, doing coaching together back and forth. Now probably getting to a point where I'd want to be reviewing 
you know, recordings again, especially all these great people I've gotten to work with this summer thinking about, okay, am I asking the same question a bunch of times? Am I not paying attention to certain things that I was really attuned to in training and just getting more into the finer details about, you know, how to continue to improve my practice? Amy, you mentioned earlier, I think this is connected to a bit of what you were just saying around reaching out for, you know, some pro bono coaching or pay what you can coaching. And I'm curious what maybe parameters did you Mm -hmm. decide to set or like who did you outreach to Mm -hmm. when you made that decision? Yeah, that was really intentional because also on a on a business building side, I didn't just want to put out there like free coaching. You know, like I want people to know that I have something of value to offer, that it is work, you know, those kinds of things. I definitely believe that. But I knew that there were certain groups, communities that I would want to maybe give back to in some way. So one of them was my um, graduate school program. I went to Miami University for my master's degree. There's a big alumni group. I met with some of the grad students that were graduating and like a panel this spring, knowing that the job market was going to be a mess. I was like, if any of you want free coaching as a grad student, hit me up, knowing that they were going on a big transition. And then I just posted in that alumni group, you know, knowing that a lot of people are going through transitions. So this was a very difficult year saying, you know, in addition to working in higher ed, I've completed my coach training and would offer pro bono and pay what you can coaching if anybody is interested. And then did the same thing in Katie Lender's prolific community as well. And that's led to a lot of really great connections, both with people in the coaching program, but also just people working in many different spheres of higher education and you know, a lot of them have said, Oh, I don't want to disrespect, you know, your work or your labor. I'm like, if you provide me with a testimonial, that's excellent. Like that still helps me as well. That builds up my portfolio. And then otherwise, just within a personal circle, just, you know, close friends and family, those would be some folks outside of higher ed. And so making it more about those intentional spaces that I could give back to or make some meaningful connections with. I love that because uh, yourself, Julie, and I have worked in student affairs, student services, mm-hmm. student support aspects in academia and higher ed. So not just the faculty side, which a lot of people on the couple of cohorts are represented, and that's cool. But the other kind of administrative work is needed because it's something that's not really brought up a whole lot. We see people do counseling programs a lot mm-hmm. or counseling adjacent things or leadership ed programs, but mm-hmm. coaching, I never heard it really come up. Um, not that I studied it. I am not, I didn't study that at all. You both did, but I, I don't, never had any of the people I supervised or mentored along the way ever even talk about the idea of a coaching credential or what that meant. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that you came into the program and you're actually are a little bit publicizing what coaching is to people because I think it's a a new awareness. Yeah, I think definitely. And also I think something that like, I also wanted to use it in a powerful way in my job, like working in leadership development and both teaching classes, but also training faculty and staff. I just thought there could be another way I could do this. Like there's other questions I could be asking. And I found it just has led to much more like meaningful and interactive learning experiences when I am you know, maybe peppering in a few coaching questions or those kinds of things. Uh, So it brings a new mindset and framework just to even the work that I do day to day. It's been fun to notice. (laughs) So peppering a question here and there. I definitely have started dropping questions Mm -hmm. in most conversations, (laughs) right? And not even, not even in an intent to 
like get in some coaching or I think, oh, wow, this person needs coaching. But I found they are just a great way to get the information that I need to, Mm -hmm. right? Like, where is this person at right now? Like, what are they thinking? What, you know, where, what direction are they about to go? Like, how can I understand their thought process a bit more? It has made work much more efficient in that Mm -hmm. way. And by that, she means I'm on a committee where she just asks questions and doesn't offer any ideas anymore. So it's great. I offer ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. We're working it out. We're working it out. Well, that's good to know that you are. And I think something I shared with Julie on um, joining ICF, 50% of the people that get certified are actually just working practitioners in the field Mm. somewhere as Mm. a leader, as a developer like you, as a trainer um, in different roles, all many industries as well. Uh, So that's really cool. I wonder now looking back to the time spent, what advice would you give your past self as a coach? I think like the biggest thing would be telling myself it's okay to not know something. It was certainly different also going through training, being a learner again, not that I was like so far away from that, but I hadn't been in that space for a while. And I was definitely thrust into this, like, you're the expert facilitator role and feeling even out of place with that. And so the permission to mess up or to have it not be perfect, those kinds of things, that's where I give myself a lot more grace now, even with 70 ish hours of coaching under my belt. Now I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, there are things you can work on. And let's go back and reflect and look at the recordings and understand that. But in the moment, understanding that I was probably doing the best that I could and that my clients have all made meaningful progress in a number of different ways and the mistakes that they're going to happen. And just to realize that from the outset, I think I had all my, I'm looking at them now as we record this, I have all my notebooks from training. I would take like insane notes. And I'm like, why do I need these? But it was fun to look back on at the end of the course because um, to see how we were thinking about things at different points in time, but to kind of just maybe go with the flow a bit more and be a little bit more present and um, also just engaging. I've done all my coaching just as we're meeting now virtually uh, through Zoom. And so I think that's been both a great way to connect people you know, across time and space, but to also just you know, work to be a little bit more present, even when we're virtual, you know, looking at body language and that kind of stuff. Those are things that I'm much more attuned to now than maybe I was previously. It's interesting. I um, was studying really rapidly for the ICF <laughs> test, credential exam, the coach knowledge assessment. And you said the word like outcome and they've made progress, but that actually doesn't even matter for coaching. It's just being with people and mm-hmm. being in the moment. And it's kind of like dropping in and being mm-hmm. there and being focused is kind of what I think I would tell myself now looking back, because I think like you, you were like, I want them to get that next job, better salary, mm-hmm. life they want. But like, that's not really what coaching is about. No. And sometimes the client, even if they are doing the big things, they don't even like realize it. Like I had to reflect back to a client about in six weeks, all the progress they had made. And they were like, oh, I wouldn't have even thought about that or think about that as progress, you know? And to, yeah, be with them to celebrate those wins, but also just to be there with them in general to hold the space. Amy, what is your favorite coaching question? I have a few. I think one that I probably ask too often, so I need to either (laughs) think of another one, is asking people what they need to let go of, because I think the answers can be so many different things. Sometimes it's 
you know, external, internal things, expectations, physical things, a boundary that's not serving them. Like it, it can really be anything. And I don't think it's things that people ask for. You know, sometimes it's dominant narratives, like just all kinds of stuff. It's not necessarily things that people think about. And when they talk about it, and even when I think about that, when I'm reflecting to myself, or when that question has been asked of me, when I've been a client um, with coaching peers, it really does release something. Like it really does. Like it's like a uh, like their shoulders just kind of come down, and then we can kind of work through. You know, do you, you know? Do you want to let go of those things? What would be the best way to do that? Like that kind of stuff. It just creates more possibilities when we start to remove some of the the barriers of what's you know maybe holding people back or or things that they're holding on to that aren't serving them and that one i think is also tied with like what do you need permission for you know if people are have some similarly like barriers maybe things they need to let go of that are holding them back from from what they would really want in their life yeah maybe your opposite question could be like i'm thinking about the hanging cat just hang in there they let oh, go. Yeah. What do you need to grab onto next? Almost is the better. Yeah. Like what? What are you going to grab onto next if you're letting go of that? Because otherwise, you might just drop to the ground. I don't know. I'm writing it down. <laughs> I'm glad that we're workshopping this here. Good. There you go. I have another practice question for both okay. of you. Really, something I was reflecting on today is I am not integrating tools very often, and I'm oh. curious like rough percentage, make up a number. You know, how are you integrating tools? What does that look like for you? I think I was thinking about that as I've been reflecting on my practice, that that is something I need to possibly do more of. I did it much more in training, I think, because we were doing a lot of our own experimentation and trying out the tools. I also had clients, though, who specifically were telling me, like, I want tools, like they were using that language. I don't have clients. I have clients asking for strategies, perhaps but not necessarily tools. And so I have relied predominantly most recently on powerful questions and outside of, you know, mantra and maybe some others, but the ones that have more of a a setup, a prompt, uh, an activity, a worksheet, those are not necessarily things I've used recently. I have been thinking about, are there, are there times and spaces where they would have been beneficial or what ways can I incorporate them? Um, maybe thinking back to training, like what are the things that would clue you in to, oh, this might be a good tool to ask permission to use. This could be a fit. Yeah. I was going to ask if you used any kind of values. Like I use some of those value words with folks. Julie, my percentage is maybe 30. I have been thinking about it a lot more since we we talk in this podcast to reflect on our practice. So I think one of them is uh, going back to a conversation we all have this season with Lori is visioning future self. So walking through an activity. And I did this tool because I did it with a team once. Then I'm like, let me do it with another person. Um, and they happen to be both wrapped around higher ed, going back to a campus or going back to an office. And so what would that look like for uh, five years from now? Because like, I really wanted them to think about their work design, their work selves. The other one, I like the, man- the mantra one is good. And I've been doing that name your inner critic. So I loved that one of my clients was like, it's a C, it's a K. No, it's Karen. It's definitely a Karen. <laughs> um, so I think that's helped a few of them to compartmentalize is what I was trying to do on um, time and spaces to call out when they're being critical and knowing that the critical inner critic's not a bad thing. So there's like getting away from that dichotomy of, of it. So naming it, recognizing when it's there, when it's helping them. So those have been like some of the bigger things have come up. I, th- I am thinking a bit more about like ones that we haven't used in a long time of 
wheel of life. I don't know. My wheels off life. <laughs> There's like eight things. Which one are you in balance? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm afraid to ask. Are you thinking about tools you want to use, Julie? Yeah, I think much like you have said, I've used mantra. I, I agree that, that one feels very easy to use. I also think I've made an amalgamation of tools, not really remembering exactly steps of things and being like, sure, we're going to, how about we do this? And then we'll just add that on and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've really gotten into reflective writing or giving my clients a moment to write things down too, I think. And, and, visualize. I found some success with that, but it's all been fairly ad hoc. It has not been super formal, still asking for permission, still checking in like, Hey, are you open to doing a quick visualization or things like that? But it hasn't been like tool out of the book. I think Mm -hmm. that's good. Then I think that's you making it your own as a coach too. And we were invited in our training, we should say to create tools. And I borrowed from some of our own work things that we do one way, two way doors working backwards. Like, I think those are some things that are helpful for some of my clients that have projects I think of, or choices to make. So picking up where you find it useful, but at the end of the day, we know what a tool is. Yeah. (laughs) I also think sometimes like there are some that I think would help if a client might still be struggling. Like right, I have a lot of clients needing help with prioritization of things. And there's a whole bunch of different prioritization matrices that we have access and could utilize. And, but when I'm asking the powerful questions about, okay, what is most important to you when you're thinking about your morning routine, they, they know, like they just know they need to say it aloud. They need to think about it. They need to lay it out. It's almost like, having a thinking partner. Whereas if I think if somebody, a client might not have been as clear or whatever, that's might when I, you know, pull in the tool and get some additional structure, things that might be helpful. I do have a very quick, funny tool story. I was with a client and asked if they'd be willing to do some writing and reflecting. And they were like, yes. And so I gave them a question. I had two questions. I, was getting, I gave them the first question and they were like, okay. And then they're like, what's the next question? And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe they want. Okay. And so I was like, well, here's the next question. And they were like, okay. And then they just stared at me and I was like, oh, so we're, we're not going to do that right now. Okay. So we're going <laughs> to move on. And they were like, they're like, these will be great to reflect on later. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're. <laughs> yeah. You go where the client is, right? Exactly. Yeah. Go where the client takes you. Yeah. I, it's been funny. I think the reflection ones have come up for me when they were like, I don't know, or there's been like really long pauses and then they just look at me. And I'm like, okay, we'll add that one. If you want to reflect on that later, uh, yeah. but like making sure it's like their action item. So I've been cognizant of, okay, that touched a nerve. If you want to reflect, here you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Amy, it's been a delight to chat with you. We are excited to follow on your journey and be part of your team cheerleading you on the side in your cohort. So um, we're so gracious for your time today and sharing all that you do as a coach. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was really great. I love, you know, talking with you both, but really any other folks in our coaching, higher ed coaching community. It's, I think this is something that similarly helps with building, you know, my practice, our practice together, that reflection point. Because otherwise, yeah, it's a one-on-one experience. And so being able to have a coaching community is really important. Be sure to listen to the next episode by subscribing to our podcast. We always welcome comments and questions. Send us an email at coachingthroughit at gmail.com. Until then, we'll be figuring it out on Coaching Through It.